Welcome once again to another exciting edition of the Brattlecast, where we talk about books old, new, and out of print, and books you can collect, and books you want to talk about. With me is the booksmith himself, the one and only Ken Gloss of the Brattle Bookshop in Boston, a historic site you have to check out when you visit the city. And happy to say that the store is open, uh, all safe, of course, for uh, customers, uh, Ken, but open and hopefully open even more in the near future. Well, we're, we won't be opening more. We're hoping there'll be more customers. Let's, <laughs> that's what I meant. Op- opening but, up the doors to more people. Come on down, as they say, right? Yeah, and, and we've been open since June. And, and actually, it's interesting because uh, more people have been coming in. The weather's getting better. And uh, even though this might be put up a little while from now, uh, we're definitely noticing right now it's a much younger crowd. But as people get vaccinated and as people get stir crazy, we're noticing a few of our longtime customers uh, that haven't been in for a year or more are starting to make their way back. Slowly. Oh, they're they're stir crazy. OK, I can speak for myself. <laughs> I know that's the case. And by the way, I don't live far from the store, so it's a regular haunt for me on weekends. Let's talk about something that uh, made a lot of headlines and it continues to make headlines. Uh, and it involves Theodore Geisel, Dr. Seuss, and some controversy surrounding the books. By the way, a little point of order, he is the second most successful dead celebrity in terms of money every year behind Michael Jackson, Dr. Seuss. Just thought I'd throw that in there. <laughs> I, I was actually really surprised that he's ahead of Elvis. He is, uh, yes. I mean, of course, the question might be, is Elvis dead or is he just off somewhere? Well, He's off reading a Dr. Case. Seuss book. So what's your take on, on this controversial topic? Um, and obviously, everything in its place, everything in its time. But I'd love your opinion on it. Well, a lot of it is, first of all, books go out of print in any case. And there are loads of Dr. Seuss. Dr. Seuss is one of my favorite books that when my kids were young to read, because not only did the kids like it, but they were fun to read his verse and the way he put them out. And a lot of his books had great uh, things to talk about and things you could uh, get into with the kids, but it was just fun to read. And yeah, some of them, when you look at the books that they're putting out of publication, they're not being banned. In other words, nobody's saying that you can't read this book that you can't get the book, that there aren't a million copies out there of every one of them, that you have to pull them off the library shelves. They're just saying right now that they do not seem, you know, appropriate. And the reality is when you look at the way they portray uh, Asian, where they, where they portray Blacks, I mean, it's one thing when you look at it and you're not Asian or you're not Black, but if he had done that and let's say, my background is Jewish. If he had had Jews portrayed like that, yeah, I'd prefer to see the books go out of print too. So there's a lot of sensitivities. And one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this little is there are a lot of things that come into the store that aren't necessarily banned, but do you really want to deal with them? Do you really want to make money on this? And so it sort of opened up a... a, a areas. And one of the things that I'm happy about is that, okay, I make my decision. It's my store. Another 
person might make their decision, it's their store. Another person might make their decision. So you're not having the government coming down and saying, you can or can't do this. It's individual what you feel comfortable with. And that's something that happens all the time. I mean, any store that carries any type of material, they take what they feel their customers are gonna like, what's best for their store, whether it's controversial or not, you, you stock what's gonna help your store. Right, and right. there are a lot of things, there are a lot of things that over the years that I've decided, gee, maybe I don't wanna deal with this. I remember there was a time, and this was a number of years ago, a woman's father was a, a photographer, a journalist photographer during the war, World War II. And he was one of the photographers that went in with Eisenhower and went in with Patton when they first went into the camps in Germany and just had photograph after photograph. And the people, first of all, there were piles and piles of dead bodies. I mean, they, they were just horrible. But even some of the people who were alive, you saw the pictures and it was, you know, it was really disturbing. Now, I did buy these photographs from this woman. And then I basically said to myself, I cannot make money on these. What happened to make these photographs possible, in good conscience, I can't make money. I don't want to sell them. I don't want to break even. I don't want to do that. But they are very valuable and useful. It's a teaching thing. So there's a a, a, a uh, society or a organization in Brookline, Massachusetts called Facing History, and they teach the Holocaust. And so I donated the photographs to them. And when you really think about it, a lot of Holocaust deniers, if you don't have the mm. evidence and the proof and teach and make people remember, these photographs will be very valuable to teach with but you don't want to make money. Right. Let me ask you this, um, and I, I want to get back to the Dr. Seuss story particularly, but let's say uh, someone is looking for uh, a Mein Kampf first edition, of course, Hitler's notorious book, which lays out his plans to destroy Jews and other things. Um, that's the kind of thing that I know it's up to the individual store owner, the individual dealer, but it, it seems that's an easier mark to say, I am not going to get involved with that book for what it stands for, despite the fact that it's a historical, it's a historical piece that needs to be respected for its history. What, what's your take on something like that? Well, we get Mein Kampf in and, and we do sell it. I mean, it, it's a book that I think people should read. They should read it in context. They should read it, the history of it. Uh, but what I won't do is I won't Yet there are some very fancy <laughs> first editions of it that are signed by Hitler. In other words, the, the collector's editions, those I don't want to deal with. I don't want to deal with the people who are idolizing Hitler, right. who are right. ma making him as a, a great collectible person. That I won't deal with. But I don't feel anything wrong with selling the book Mein Kampf as something to read. Although there is another similar book that I actually, other than to a library, 
when I do get them in, there's one called The Protocols of the Elders of Zion, mm. which is a Russian book that is absolutely 100% anti-Semitic. Yes, familiar with it. Yeah. It does come in every once in a while because we buy large libraries of collections. That one I have either given or with a collection to a library, to a historical place. And I sort of <clears throat> take it upon myself when I have a copy as to who I want to sell it to. But that's what I do with everything. I mean, when you think about it, if I have a collector who, who is collecting books and something comes in they want, want, and there's another collector and another collector, I always sort of pick and choose in a way of who I think would be the best person for this, mm or who I like better or who will use it better. And there are all sorts of things like that <clears throat> that come up. Or even now, when you're cataloging something or when you're selling it, the wording you use might use to describe it is also something that you take into consideration. Take into how that's going to, how you describe something is going to make the person who's reading that description view yourself, your store, in, in many other things. Right, because ultimately it's it's your name uh, on the sales slip and, and it's, it's pride in the work you do. And I, I consider you an upstanding citizen as well as a great friend. Let's get back to the Dr. Seuss thing. Uh, I, I think everything in context, because if you look at his work, it evolved as most artists evolve. Um, and the work that we're talking about, the books that we're talking about, I think were around the early 40s, around that period. Um, but it's, I, I can look at it this way. If you take a look at film, and more people might be familiar with old movies where blacks particularly were secondary uh, housemaids, sh footmen, I mean, v very derogatory pictures uh, and, and characterizations. That's much more obvious to people than something like a cartoon in a book. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, I, I agree with that uh, very much. But... You know, if you were publishing on Asian, Japanese in <laughs> World War II period, you know, they were the enemy. You you wanted to portray them as being the enemy. Also, in many cases, being sort of subhuman below you, because if you're at war and you're literally killing people, which is a horrible thing, but in the context of war, it makes it easier uh, the less and less you consider each individual in person. Uh, another place that changed, and I have to admit that uh, when I was, when I took my children to Disneyland in Disney World, there was one time I had to go 20 times in a row on It's a Small World. Oh, that'll, and, that'll change uh, your life. That, that'll change. But <laughs> if you think about how, when you go through that, how the images in that ride characterize people. And I know that Disney has changed that to a degree too. Times change, people change, attitudes change. And like I say, when you look at a lot of this, people with the Dr. Zeus will say, well, you're changing the culture, you're changing this, you're changing that. I would bet you every person who says that though, it's not directed at their ethnicity or at their background right, right. or their... Uh, parents or grandparents. Or, and, you know, when it is directed at it, then you start to feel more, wait a minute. I don't like it when it's me that the, that the images are. So if you put yourself in that position, 
and there are many other things that can go that way. Um, I got recently asked about old maps and the sensitivity to old maps. And you'd say, well, what do you, well, you know, when you look at the maps, they were mostly done by European, Caucasian, wealthy countries and what they would make Africa look like or what they would make the West, the Indian territory look like. And, and a lot of people look at maps as being, you know, tools of conquest over indigenous people, over this. And they are in many ways. But maps, when you look back, and this is the way history is done many times, it's done by the more powerful. It's done by the richer. Also, maps were very important tools. They, they were things that you used either economically, militarily, uh, influence. And when you look at them, the ones who were looking to take over to the, the military power that those maps had, you can put maps into that context. But one of the things that I point out when you look at the Dr. Zeus, or I just bought a large collection, a huge collection of children's books, and there's one box that is filled with the turn of the century black uh, sort of stereotype horrible images that at the time they probably weren't uh, considered that way unless you were black. I mean, and what I'm doing with those is I'm trying to find a library that will use those books as teaching tools to put them in context. Uh, not so much that somebody who wants to say, hey, look at how they are or put people down. And, and one of the things that I also point out to people is many of these images and things that you say, well, they shouldn't be in print, they shouldn't be this, they shouldn't be used. If you have to have those items, you have to have them to teach what things were like, what they right. really should be. And, and Santiano, who I, I went to Boston Latin School, he went to Boston Latin School, but in uh, 1905 had the quote, if you do not know the past, you are condemned to repeat it in the future. That I was, think I got that. That's right. clo close but enough. I, would, I was also going to add, you know, the term uh, never forget regarding the Holocaust. It, if we don't have the history, the Yad Vashem's of, of the world and all of the reminders. Um, it's kind of like the, the statue controversy. I agree some of these Civil War statues needed to come down from the public square, but the idea of eradicating them from history, these these characters, is a mistake. So I think you're you're talking about a very reasonable approach. And, and as you said at the beginning, this is not the government telling Dr. Seuss he can't, or not him, but his group can't publish. It's the, well, call it what you will, pressure or sensibility of the times that is asking the publisher to draw back his or her own choice. Well, the other thing, yeah, and the other thing about it is they are the publisher, they are the ones in control, right. and books go out of print for whatever reasons, uh, over and over and over, and, and my guess is that probably the sales on those, too, the sensitivity might, you know, it's it's a lot of reasons books go out of print, a lot of reasons that people feel uncomfortable with things. I think the main thing that has to be remembered, you don't want to forget them. You don't want to keep them out of people's hands totally, but you want to use them in context to not only explain how they were used 
and why they were done in the time they were done, but how that is reflective of modern time and what you would like them to be. But it's more if they use properly as a teaching tool and done right, they're tremendously valuable and they need to be there. That's what this podcast is all about, the value of books and the joy of reading. And and so much can be gained culturally and historically from so many of these books. Well, sir, thank you very much. This is just one of many, many episodes on the subjects that people love. And I can't thank you enough for uh, for bringing these issues to the forefront. Well, they, they were in this forefront. And I just wanted to be able to talk about them a little and make people realize that Banning things by the government is really problematic, but putting them sensitively in teaching and tools can be tremendously valuable, and you can't forget the past. You need to learn from it. Well said. He's Ken Gloss. This is Jordan Rich. Thank you for listening to another edition of The Brattlecast.